Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. All right. It is a Thursday. Yep. Literally a Thursday for us, finally. I don't, yes. We don't so, often match up the dates that we record to the release, but it right. is our Thursday as well. And it is time for another delightful hour called the happy hour. And it's Which not an hour, like it's like 15 minutes. minutes. <laughs> yes, as always, drink responsibly if you choose to do so. Absolutely. We want you to we encourage you to take a moment and just take a breath and be with us. And if a beverage is involved, alcoholic or not, great. If not, also great. Also, currently, we are not sponsored by yes. anybody we're talking about. So if there's any like a uh, female drink beverage industry that wants to sponsor us, give us a call. <laughs> it's not desperate at all. JK. I don't know, because we don't actually have a phone number to our uh, show. So that would be super weird. But today... I am very excited because this was one of the first, I guess, alcohol beverages that I found when I was researching women in the industry. And it is a Machu Pisco, which is a Pisco company from sisters Melanie Asher and Lizzie, who are on Instagram, by the way, as Spirit Sisters. They have a lot. They have good time, according to their Instagram. <laughs> I want to be their friend. That's uh-huh. what, for sure. Um, and today, because it is a type of liquor, it's a type of brandy, special brandy, we decided to make cocktails. Yes. I'm going to pour mine out. So if you don't like ASMR, you may want to click over this part. But I have a Pisco Sour that I just mixed up. So I'm going to go ahead and pour it into my new cocktail glass. New-ish. I bought it for this segment specifically. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. This is the first time I've actually used egg whites on my own. Oh, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, skittish about that, but I, I have to add my dash of bitters. So fancy. So essentially, the Pisco sour is a sour. It has a little bit of egg white, lime juice, a simple syrup, and a dash of, of bitters, <laughs> with, obviously, the Pisco. Obviously. What are you <laughs> drinking, Annie? I'm drinking the Pisco Punch, which is pineapple juice and fresh lemon juice and Pisco. And I believe, had I remembered, bitters as well. <laughs> and perhaps <laughs> a sweetener, but I'm all good. <laughs> all right, I'm going to go ahead and sip on mine for a minute. I do like the, the glass. It's very nice. Ooh, that's lovely. Yeah. I like I said, I love a good egg white cocktail. They are they do take a lot of arm strength, and also you know that that shaker gets cold in your hand. Yes. You gotta have some real. <laughs> yeah, so apparently you're supposed to do the dry shake mm-hmm. with the egg to emulsify it. So yeah. it didn't have ice for the first like, and I, my hands are sticky because it kind of was like like yeah. trying to explode off. I was like, no, but I think that's a success. <laughs> it's delicious. This will be now in my drink list. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. Pretend like we're clinking. Okay, so yes, this is a special type of Pisco that was made by the sisters Melanie Lasher and Liz E. This brand specifically comes from the Ica Valley in Peru. And for our specific bottle of Machu Pisco, it is a single grape brandy that is pressed by foot. 
and for a long time was done by Melanie and Lizzie themselves and may still, but according to their website. And Machu Pisco is first and foremost, as she says, a labor of love built around family. And on their site, if you want to go check them out, she wrote about her grandmother. Uh, she said that Amelia Rodriguez was born growing up and helped her mother sell Pisco at their local bodega in Lima, Peru. And nearly a century later, her two granddaughters, Melanie and Lizzie, created what they say is arguably one of the world's best Pisco brands in her honor. And they say to this day, Abuela Amelia still tastes each vintage before bottling. And we wouldn't have it any other way, so they say. And it is. It's a fantastic type of brandy kind of liqueur. She talks about her special drink. Her favorite drink is a, a variation of the Pisco Sour. I think she does it without the egg white. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just all about the taste of it. And they have different variations. And as I'm learning about Pisco, because I was like, what is this? I don't know what this is. I did look through and find that there is also a Chilean Pisco. And there is an argument. Oh, yes. Of you course. know, there's always an argument because we don't exactly know the complete history of it, of who had it first, where it originated from. But it was first noted to have appeared in Peru in the 1600s. So we do know that. They have been doing this, as you can tell, a generation is generation. So it's, it's kind of a beautiful story of their grandmother to them and how they love what they do and how it's important to them to keep their heritage as well. Just so, I, and from what I'm saying, this, this is very like loose interpretations, BT dubs, that the difference between Peruvian and Chilean is the way it's distilled as well as the way it's processed. So typically the Peruvian keeps around like 40% ABV Mm. as where the Chilean version has a little higher ABV in the percentage because of the Mm -hmm. way they process it. They want to keep it a lot more pure so they'll process it through a a few times. So And uh, because it sometimes hits over the alcohol limit, Uh they have to dilute it a little bit as where the Peruvian usually don't. So there you go. The Peruvian and Chilean each have their own types of cocktails that you can mm. look up. And the ones we have specifically do seem to be more centered around Peru. But you know, as a lot of time goes by, of course, everything gets a little more intermixed, I guess. But you know how things can kind of cross over and they may have a variation from here and take from there and take from here. So sure. I'm sure there's different types. At one point, you and I were talking about the uh, sour being made with beer. And I was like, yeah, that's a whole new level. Uh-huh. So, of course, there's a lot of different things. And it's kind of come into popularity again in the last five years, even though it's been around and been around and been around. Yeah. That it's come back in its popularity and making different types of cocktails. It does have the tasting notes from the distiller's website. Light vanilla, lime peel, and white pepper make up a very light nose. On the palate, white pepper, vanilla, sugar, wet cement, lime, yuzu, and cinnamon make up a fairly straightforward presentation. There's a nice peppery bite at the end and a bit of earthiness present as well. The finish is quick, leaving the palate ready for another sip. So yes, this one that we have specifically is not necessarily for just sipping. But mm-hmm. they do have different types that you can get out. It's just like, this, this is what we recommend to sip on, on its own. And this is what we recommend to make cocktails and blah, blah, blah. Right. But you can. You There's can. No stopping you. <laughs> and I love the story so much. I love everything about this. Hey, wait, Annie, you told me you had a Pisco story, which I never heard of Pisco until we did started doing the segment. Right. So I need to know your Pisco story. I have two stories now. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. So before we get into the Pisco story, I love that in the tasting notes, wet cement is mm-hmm. one of them because that's not, I don't feel like that comes up very often. 
But it reminds me of there was this time in my life where I was kind of living haplessly in a rom-com. And I didn't realize, and I kept making all these mistakes, and my friends were like, you fool. But... You fool. Basically, I was in a a love triangle, and I didn't realize it. And You fool. Yeah. So part of... Both of them, I thought, were like... And they were, but they were really good friends of mine. But I would talk about people I was interested in or attracted to um, with them, and not realizing that they had these feelings. And I remember... I went to South Africa with a really good friend of mine. And I was like, I'm so glad this person is just a really good friend of mine. And there's no other like layer to it. It's uncomplicated because my mom really wanted me to date him. Um, and I was like, I'm just so glad. Literally that second, I got a Snapchat and I opened it and it said, no, no good decisions are made at 2 a.m., and it was a picture of a bottle of gin. And because <laughs> he did that to make sure I had Wi-Fi. Because then I got an email from him. And it was like, basically, I have feelings for you very long. My friend read it. And she was like, let's go get something to drink. And we went to the bar. And he, we were like, we need a bottle of wine. And he said, all I have is this bottle that tastes like pencil shavings. And we were like, we'll take it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it didn't t- It was actually really good. But I've just never heard pencil shavings. I think this was shavings when I sometimes smell a specific type of beer or uh coffee. Okay, so it's a Mm -hmm. thing. That was Mm -hmm. my first time encountering it. But okay, my Pisco story, a couple years ago with the same friend, I went to Peru and Pisco is a big deal there. And I had never heard of it at the time and I wanted to learn more about it. So I went to this place called Museo del Pisco because I thought it was a Pisco museum. And I went up to the front. It was a very like white clean space and it had a big graphic painted on the wall of how Pisco's made and like the history of Pisco. I still have like the pamphlet. And I went up to the guy at the front and I I said in my very broken Spanish, you know, I'd like a ticket to the museum. And he kind of laughed and chuckled with me and he was like, well, uh, (laughs) we don't really have tickets here. And I was, I thought it was just a miscommunication. And finally he said in English, it's just the name of our bar. It's not a museum. (laughs) Uh, uh. <laughs> but he did. He was very helpful, and he gave me a lot of information about Pisco and had nice. me try different types. <laughs> nice, nice. Yes. I like it. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I definitely with this uh, Pisco. I definitely have like it's reminiscent of a little bit of mezcal to me, that peppery, uh-huh. strong note. But I like it. But one of the things that I was thinking on, obviously, Peru and Chile have a lot of history with it. And, and when it comes to things like Pisco, which is a very big part of their culture, I, I think about the heritage stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, like, for you, so you and I have talked about the fact that we don't necessarily want children. Uh, right. We're good with where we are. Don't even necessarily get, need to get married. or fine. But that makes me start thinking about, okay, the whole conversation of heritage and legacy. What are right. your thoughts and feelings about that type of ideas? They've evolved a lot over time because I was a really strange kid is probably clear through this podcast. But I used to say like, I want to be forgotten. Like I don't want any anybody to remember me after I'm gone. And I think that was really linked to self-esteem issues. But I do want to, even if I don't have children of my own, I feel like there are ways you can have an impact on your community or are just people in your life that can carry on 
in sort of those like found family ways on on a smaller individual scale, but then also on a larger scale, like not to, you know, be too big headed about it, but just having even feminist conversations on a podcast, I feel like can have an impact to big and small to listeners or just moving that conversation forward and being a part of other people who are moving that conversation forward and hopefully pressing for change or even awareness, bringing awareness to people. So I think things like that, like after after my dad died, there, there was a definite like, well, what did he leave behind for me, like mm-hmm. in me? And the things I think of, like good and bad, some of those are very important and precious, but a lot of those things aren't relegated to family. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. I have other people in my life that aren't family that are going to have and have had those same kind of impacts. I'm revisiting uh, Joy Luck Club by Amy mm-hmm. Tan, and we're going to feature that on our uh, book club. And one of the things that is very heavily part of this book is heritage and legacy and being remembered. And I think that's part of the conversations that I constantly have when it comes to the fact that my heritage obviously has been taken from me and not necessarily because of violence, not necessarily because of any, you know, uh, disdain or hate or any of that. That's not necessarily what it's about. But the fact of the matter is like being plucked from a different country, placed in a different country and being obscured of your past. So Mm -hmm. essentially not having real any really good uh, connotations of what happened. The one thing that I did bring, and, and I will say, as much as my parents could do, they did do. So my mm-hmm. parents, and it wasn't about trying to hide anything from me. There was no, any of that. So they, they tried their hardest. They really did. And one of the things that was sent with me through the orphanage was a hanbok, which is the Korean uh, traditional dress for girls in general. And I loved it. I loved it. I don't know what it was about it that I loved it so much because I majority of my childhood was trying to hide that part of me, that Asian mm-hmm. identity, because I so wanted to fit in and being in a small town, LJ, Georgia, with all the white peoples, you know, trying <laughs> to erase that is kind of hard. But I loved that one portion of it. There was something beautiful about that tradition, remembering, honoring the uh, elders. Like, the, of course, there's a lot of conversations we can talk about about how damaging that can be when you idolize and make them godlike. But at the same time, the heritage and traditions is also beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I loved the fact that I got to celebrate our, that one representative who wore her hembuck as a part of her signing in or whatever. And mm-hmm. to me, that was fantastic because that was something that I loved. I even wore it in third grade as a Halloween costume because I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, my mother, uh, after we had a really damaging fire, it got really stained by water damage. And she tried to get it to get cleaned at mm-hmm. a dry cleaner in LJ, Georgia, and they took all of the ornaments yeah. away. So all of it has been stripped. The gold etchings, all of that is gone. <laughs> so I've tried to find a place to restore it because it's something really important to me and I really get excited about what I'm thinking about, but it's such a small, minute, and it wasn't truly mine. They just sent one with me so I could remember right. it. So I am grateful that that was sent with me. But I think about that a lot. It's because I'm like, I don't feel like I know my identity. I don't, you know, we talked about this so long. I don't feel like I know my heritage. And honestly, I'm scared to death of knowing biological heritage because the memories that I've had is pretty traumatizing mm-hmm. as I think on it now. So it's kind of like, it's a good thing, but it's a bad thing. And this whole lost 
And I have a lot of jealousy for people who kind of can have this linkage. You know, Caroline from uh, Unladylike, one of her hobbies yeah. is doing her a- ancestry. Like she mm-hmm. is all about ancestry, all about going to uh, find out about her history. And I'm very jealous of that. Like mm-hmm. I don't connect with it and I kind of just like push away because even trying to get to that is such a different focal point for me. And then trying to do it to my adoptive parents, I know I don't belong in that timeline. I do and I don't. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's such a weird, complex story. But having things like traditions like this where they pass down stories is such a beautiful idea to me that I want to revel in other people's traditions. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But also, even though... I have some of these memories. These memories from my own childhood are so dice and it's so wonderful. And it's like a lot more modern than the memories that I hear from my parents talking about way back when, you know? Right. And I know soon enough that won't be the case. And that makes <laughs> me sad. I don't want to think about it too much. Um, but I'm trying to think on, well, have I gotten a legacy from those grandparents? And I don't know if it's because I'm not sentimental or because I'm too far removed from my family that I don't understand it as well, or maybe I'm not included as much. I do have a few things from my grandmother that I'd love. Uh, my mother's adoptive mother's mother, uh, which includes my bar cart, and I loved it and I wanted it. I've gotten a really nice chair that I'm going to try to keep forever. You know, stuff like that. I got some ch- uh, china and all of these things from her, so I really feel great about that. But like other than that, I'm like, I don't know if I could pass that down to anyone. What do I do with all of these things? Yeah. Do you have anything from your grandparents or your great-grandparents that was kind of passed down along family? I do. I have some jewelry. That's actually one of the re- the only reason I got my ears pierced once. I got them ear- pierced at 26 because it's like, I guess <laughs> I got this very nice pair of earrings. Um, and I and I know we've talked about this. It's kind of sad because I'm like, I don't wear jewelry that often, but I do have that. Yeah. And then there is a dress that has been passed down, I think only like one generation, but maybe two. And it was for like three, three-year-old me loved it. And yeah. I got my pictures taken in it and I still Aww. have that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, uh, unfortunately, I've talked about it twice now on here. I had a blanket from my father's mother who she had quilted and it just had tons of these beautiful blankets and would give each grandchild one. And I got right. one. And it burned. And I mm-hmm. was, I've been the saddest person because of course she has died and passed away and all of that is gone now. Mm-hmm. But that is something I'm like, man, I need to learn to do these things <laughs> so I can set my own, you know what I mean? Like, right. Traditions of getting these done. But it's like, I, I don't love doing things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that's that I will ever do. I, I keep thinking about what does the heritage, my, what does my legacy look like? And I think you're right, absolutely. Like my legacy, I want my legacy to be, I did the most that I could to help others and help people. Mm-hmm. And that I showed that I loved people no yeah. matter what. That's definitely something that I want my legacy to be and that I was willing to fight for people and advocate mm-hmm. for people. But it feels so like empty when you don't see it in your hand. You know what I mean? Sure. And there's also that because I don't want children, who's going to remember it? <laughs> I guess if we write a book and someone actually <laughs> finds a copy somewhere. <laughs> Although then again, I'm like, I don't want this remembered. Can we make sure this is deleted? <laughs> are you talking about what's currently being recorded? <laughs> I'm just saying some of the things. There are definitely things that I'm like, we're going to have to go back and think on this. It's like the like whatever when we talk about, oh, this looked good at the time. Right. Maybe that's not the legacy we want to keep. Exactly. Yeah. I recently guessed it on a show where they asked, like, do you keep a lot of physical media? 
And I said, yes. And they asked me why. And I was like, "One, you guys are, you're really banking on the fact that we won't ever lose the internet or we won't ever <laughs> lose. Like, I want just in case. And they're like, that's a very apocalyptic way to think. Like, well, I'm prepared. They don't know you well. <laughs> they obviously didn't know you well. They don't know why you are thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, thank you guys for letting me think on this. Because again, mm-hmm. like I said, a lot of these like traditions and backgrounds are beautiful. And I love reveling in it. And this type of legacy... Pisco is an amazing history. Like you, between the things that, that aren't recorded, between the things that are just through word of mouth, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see how things have kept. And it's beautiful to see that the, the traditions have kept. And I love being able to un- unravel those. I do too. I do too. I'm so glad we get to do it together. Yeah. Cheers to another Cheers. happy hour. <laughs> Listeners, as always, we love hearing from you. Do you have any traditions that have been passed down that you want to share? Any cocktails or women we should be spotlighting in these happy hours? Please let us know. You can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You's production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 